What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am merely Andy Behrens. I'm joined as usual by Scott Pianowski and... Wow. Special guest this week joined on a Monday pod by Matt Harmon. We are recording this thing uh, very early in the afternoon on the East Coast. And so for Matt, this is like dawn. Um, It's great that you are up with us. Appreciate it. Uh, I should probably say right at the top, uh, our apologies for not having an end of week show last week. Uh, There was some stuff going down, uh, you might recall. In this country from which it was very difficult to turn away and uh, fantasy football, which is always kind of a silly distraction, felt like an unusually frivolous and silly topic last week. So you guys know we try to keep the tone here relatively light and it was just absolutely not possible last week. That being said, we are back and we are returning to regularly scheduled programming two episodes per week. Uh, this one right here, we're gonna we're gonna recap what just happened on a big mega super double XL wild card weekend. Um, but first, there's been a little Deshaun Watson news, and and I wanna I wanna just get into I just want to touch on this um, because it's such an interesting story. It is something that we could devote like multiple podcasts to. It is a, actually the Texan situation is <laughs> is super complex, and they have they have botched. It's not even over yet, but they've botched a coach and GM search in ways that um, I I have never encountered before, and obviously. It has uh, it, it has drawn the ire of uh, their best player and an MVP level quarterback. So it is at least reasonable to 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 guess at where Deshaun Watson might land next year, which is crazy. So as I bring you guys in, why don't you just tell me what your what your ideal landing spots would be for Deshaun Watson? We'll start with Matt. Well, I mean, there's plenty of places that from an ideal perspective, I mean, we're going to talk about Ben Roethlisberger early or later. Uh, why not? You know, they empty empty the clip to go for a guy like uh like Deshaun Watson you know Washington uh they're another team that just got booted out of the playoffs that could use a quarterback but I do think you know that this one's been kicked around on Twitter a little bit but I think it makes sense the Miami Dolphins would be an interesting spot you know they have the Texans original high first round draft pick uh they have a lot of uh cap you know they got a lot of cap room they've got plenty of draft pick uh They've got a lot. They've got a lot of currency there. Let's let's just put it that way. They also have Tua, so they could send a young quarterback back to Houston. So I think that one makes sense. I don't know that it's the the sexiest landing spot for a guy like Watson, but it does make sense. But yeah, for me, the, the conversation is just if if you're if you're a Houston Texans fan and one off season after they trade away DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know they've oh. they've let and, and then you lose 
<laughs> and then you go ahead and you lose a guy like Deshaun Watson. How do you even root for this team? I mean, I think they're sneaky. The, they don't get a ton of press because, you know, they're not the, the Jets or whatever. Uh, there's obviously a lot of dysfunction there this last year. But I think the Texans right now, from an ownership level all the way down, are the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL. Oh, it is legendarily dysfunctional. Um, the, again, it, it's hard to it's hard to even detail all the all the aspects that are super messed up about this uh, this GM search and this GM hire and uh, everything that it's done to the relationship with Watson. It's crazy. Um, the the my every time I read about or hear about any speculation uh, regarding the the a potential Dolphins trade, I mean the idea of the Texans just getting their own back that deal is just so it's it's so humiliating yeah. and, and just the perfect thing to happen to that to happen to that franchise i don't know scott um what do you think how about how about jacksonville how about can we just have like a straight up number one pick for deshaun watson kind of deal i think 31 teams should look at their situations when a deshaun watson might be available you need to reevaluate there of course there are a handful of teams that are set a quarterback you know Chargers won't need a quarterback for an awfully long time. You know, I think Kansas City's got that position handled pretty well. You know, Josh Allen came into his own this year, but I'd like to see I'd like to see Miami have the nerve to admit that maybe two is not who we thought. It's obviously way too early to make that call with any amount of confidence, but there is some precedent here. I mean, remember what Arizona did with Josh Rosen, where they said, "Oh, you know, we don't really feel that good about Rosen. We yeah. really like this Kyler Murray." coming out of Oklahoma. Let's reboot this situation, trade away um, Rosen. We got number two from Miami and, and start again. So I think Miami has the assets to go to go after Watson. I think the Jets have it. Um, they could package Darnold and a bunch of picks. They have a surplus. And then there's going to be teams that have the rest of the roster but don't have a quarterback. Teams like, like Pittsburgh might be in that, in that camp. San Francisco, wouldn't we love to see um, Deshaun Watson yeah. and Kyle Shanahan offense. That would be awfully fun. I don't know that Denver has a way to make this work, but I always dream every night that all those great skill players on the Broncos wake up with a real quarterback someday. Imagine Deshaun <laughs> yeah. Watson throwing yeah. to all those guys. So I, to me, Miami looks like the best fit if they're willing to do something a little unorthodox with Tua and, and move on from him because, they again, they have the draft capital. And I think that team, with the, with the culture that Flores has created, they have good skill talent, maybe not elite skill talent, but pretty good skill talent. But for the most part, I, th- I think Watson's a, a good kid. I think he's an outstanding player. The fact that he thrived this year with almost everything going wrong around him, the whole building was burning down, and there he was putting up a monster season, speaks to how talented he is. I just want to see him for his benefit on a different team next year. Yeah, led the league in passing yardage and in yards per attempt. He was absolutely brilliant, uh, despite terrible team context. Of course, you guys are both you guys are both incorrect. Um, the best deal that could possibly be on the table for that team is obviously <laughs> Nick Foles plus something, right? I can think of uh, nothing finer. Um, yeah, come the, on, the, the man, you're gonna you're gonna, hum- you're gonna humiliate yourself enough later, like in the show. Let's just wait. Like, don't bring <laughs> up the true. Bears before you have to. <laughs> I thought I thought any quarterback who won eight games and went to the playoffs for the Chicago Bears get an automatic contract <laughs> extension. I maybe I've missed out on that. Talk about a franchise. I, look, well, you always have the '85 Bears. You always have the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> but it is amazing to me that there is no face of the franchise all time Mount Rushmore quarterback for the Chicago Bears. They don't have one. It's, it's just amazing they've never had a Deshaun Watson. Can they, uh, hopefully this can just count as our as our Saints Bears oh, uh, no. segment. We Fine don't even need to talk about that game. No. Um, it like it is incredible, actually. That like one of the low key, more incredible um, 
stats around the NFL is that the I I don't I don't have the the exact number off the top of my head, but like the Bears single season record for passing yards, the Bears, who have been a franchise for over 100 years in the NFL, the Bears single season record for passing yards is like 3,800 yards. It's (laughs) it belongs to Eric Kramer. They've never had a 4,000 yard passer. This happens like Half the teams in the NFL have a 4,000-yard passer every year, right? Um, no, not the Bears, not not the Chicago frickin' Bears. Um, so let's get into Wild Card Weekend, and let's uh, let's kick that game down the down the road just a little bit and not talk about it right away. Um, let's start with the one really good one. I think probably the best game was the first game from from Wild Card Weekend. That was the that was the Colts and Bills. Uh, only a three-point game. Uh, lot, lot to talk about here. It was fun. Um, Philip Rivers, of all of all people, was was kind of frisky in this game. Three hundred nine passing yards, no picks. Uh, he was he was arguably we could argue a little bit better than some of his receivers. There were several drops and and sort of drops by his receiving core. Um, it was a nice redemption game for Josh Allen, who had three twenty four through the air, a couple of touchdowns. 54 yards on the ground and a, and a rushing score. He was great. We expect great things from him all the time now. Uh, Buffalo's receivers, per their usual, were terrific. Diggs was great, um, looked healthy-ish. Uh, Gabe Davis was fantastic, made a couple of really nice plays along the sidelines. Uh, Buffalo was able to overcome a, a, a pretty unfortunate replay review call. So, like, you can overcome bad officiating. That was good to see. I don't know. Really, really fun game. Uh, Scott, why don't you start us off? What did you see? I thought the Colts had the best offense I saw this weekend, and they're they're going home. What four hundred and seventy two total yards? They never punt. Uh, they punted twice. Never turned the ball over. Never took a sack. But they couldn't maximize the the ball movement. You know, they had a couple of drives stall out. There were some some calls that not everybody agreed with with Frank Reich uh, what they did around the goal line. But where do they go from here? I mean, River. I don't know how much longer Philip Rivers is going to play. I think we saw kind of the upside of Rivers right now. He's good enough to get the team to the playoffs and to have a competitive first-round game. I don't think anybody thought the Colts were a Super Bowl threat at any point this season, but a really deep roster, a coach we really like, a GM we really like. I just don't know how, how much longer, and I feel like we could say this for so many guys, how much longer is Roethlisberger going to play? How much longer is Rivers going to play? How much longer is Breeze going to play? Brady going to play? Um, I, I would be surprised if none any of these guys retired, I wouldn't be surprised I, You know, at some point in the next few months. Um I like this Colts offense, but I feel like they need to get their next their next answer, the next five year, you know, six year answer a quarterback. And I think they need to figure that out. It's obviously not Rivers. It's obviously not Jacoby Brissett. We saw Taylor play very well over the last few weeks. I think he's at least a what, late early second round pick, maybe a late first round pick now. Um, what he's shown, but I think the Colts have to be kicking themselves. I think the Bills were there to be beaten, and the Colts yeah. only need to make maybe one or two more plays. They could have done it. Um, you know, Williams makes that terrific fumble recovery when Allen fumbles, you know, around midfield, the, those plays are almost always recovered by the defense. If, if the bills don't recover that, I think the Colts are going to win the game, but a lot of good things in Indianapolis right now, but until you solve the quarterback, you don't really know what the upside of the team is. Yeah, fully, fully agree. Uh, Matt, Matt, what were your takeaways from this thing? Yeah, pretty similar to what Scott said. A couple of things though, like I agree that the Colts offense looked pretty good, but the problem is they're so slow. They, they go on these long drives, like especially the one where they go on that long drive. I think it was in the third quarter. And then the kicker misses the field goal. It's like you wasted all of that time against a team in Buffalo 
that's just that can hit you so quickly. You know, that can do that quick strike stuff, and then all of a sudden, seven points are on the board back at you. That's problematic for an offense like like Indian. I think it does stem from the quarterback position, like Scott said. I thought that if the Colts were going to win this game, they would have had to get an elite game from Jonathan Allen. And this doesn't really matter in terms of like his fantasy projection next year. Obviously, we're all going to be excited, but I don't think he played as well as he did to end the year against this Buffalo team. He had a couple of nice runs and everything, but still 19% stuff rate, uh, only a 44% success rate on early downs. They needed him to absolutely be that monster because the quarterback, as we're saying, I don't think Phillip Rivers is a problem in this infrastructure, but he's just, he's an artifact from a bygone era. Like when is the next time? We're never, we're (laughs) never going to see, a player like Philip Rivers be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft again. We're never going to see a guy like that be a consistent starter because I remember my friend Eric Stoner, uh, RIP to Eric Stoner, not 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 dead, but not on Twitter anymore. Uh, just a smart move, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Which he's more alive than the rest of us, Matt. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. Uh, he used to say and this was like five years ago before we were all talking about it. Like if you're a guy who can't move like a Josh Allen can move, you need to be elite before the snap. And Rivers, I think, is elite, you know, from the from the neck up. But when you get when your offense is off schedule, what can Rivers do? He can't really give you anything. So I think guys like Phillip Rivers, I think Jared Goff fits into this category too. Those type of guys just they're not they're never gonna be starters in the NFL because you have to be absolutely a plus from the neck up and not, not a lot of guys are going to get the time to become a Philip Rivers at 38 years old. So I think the Colts bring Rivers back. He doesn't look like a guy who wants to retire. Whereas like Roethlisberger at the end of that yeah. game, you know, sitting on the bench by himself, tears coming out of his eyes. I think he probably retires Rivers. I think comes back. I think the Colts bring him back, but I'm, I agree with Scott. They need to start looking at what comes next. Uh, just to just to sort of tie up the the Jonathan the Jonathan Taylor discussion, I will also throw out there that while we did a lot of talking about how friendly like David Montgomery's schedule was at the end of the year, Jonathan Taylor had a great schedule Gorgeous, too and yeah. took full advantage of it. And that was a that was a little bit of his surge at the end of the season. There's just a ton of talk on on Twitter about where he's going to go in drafts next season. Matt, do you have him? First half of the first round, back half of the first round. Uh, is he is he is he a top five running back for you? Is he just outside that? It's tough, right? Because just like last year, the running back position is going to be very attractive up at the top. There's a lot of guys that are obviously coming off great years this year. You know, you've got your Alvin Kamara's, you got your Derrick Henry's, but then you also have the two studs from last year, like Saquon Barkley and Chris McCaffrey, are also coming back. So. I think that Taylor will be like a back half of the first round pick to me. Uh, There's really no holes in his outlook as long as you believe in the player. And I think most of what we saw from his rookie year in the second half, like one bad, like I said, one bad game against the Bills in the playoffs is not going to, and even in this game, it's not as if he was terrible or anything like that. It just wasn't the absolutely elite player that they needed him to be to win this game and kind of control the action, get the early lead and hold it. But I, I, it's not, that's not going to move the needle to me. I think there's really no holes in his outlook, especially because of the chops that he showed as a pass catcher. So he's a comfortable first round pick to me. Yeah. I love that. He, he's definitely not a zero in the passing game. 36 catches on 39 targets. I feel like there's upside for him to maybe become a 45 or 50 catch guy. And although it's a little bit of a fool's errand to start talking strength of schedule, the Colts will still get the Jaguars 
and the Texans and the Titans on the schedule next year. And I That's dare all nice. three of those defenses. <laughs> to, I, I don't know. Maybe one of those defenses will fix itself between now and September. I doubt all three of them will be ready to go. So I have a feeling that we'll feel pretty good about what Taylor looks like. I, to me, he's a first-round pick. Probably the, the second half of the first round, maybe ADP 9, 10, 11, something like that. I think that's going to be the Taylor zone. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Let's let's transition to a game that, I don't know, I guess we have to talk about it. Oh. Um, it felt like this game lasted 12 hours. The, the Rams and Seahawks somehow... Uh, according to the box score, there were 50 total points scored in this game. That feels like a total lie. Uh, it felt, I mean, neither team passed for 200 yards. You don't see that too often in, in this era in the NFL. Uh, so not great offense. Um, Cam Akers was really good. Uh, we can talk about his draft value next season as well. He's got to pretty much be LA's entire offense moving forward because they are just getting nothing out of the quarterback position. Jared Goff is playing with an injured thumb on his throwing hand and sure looked like it. Um, but I don't even know that I want to talk about the Rams here because we can talk about them when we when we give a little preview to next week's games. Um, Seattle, like what what a mess they put up. They put up 20 points in this game. Um, the back half of the season was just was just really ugly for a team that that came out of the gates um, looking like they had a sure thing MVP quarterback. Um, there was a point in, I don't know, three games, four games into the season when it felt like Russell Wilson was your runaway favorite for MVP. We saw a lot of heard a lot of uh, throwing Brian Schottenheimer under the proverbial bus after the game, right? Like players and, and coaches and, and pretty much everyone had bad things to say about what happened to Seattle's offense in the back half of the season. I don't know, Matt, start us off. Where do the where do the Seahawks go from here? You know, just to put how dull this game was at different times into perspective, <laughs> um, you know, th- I, I don't know how much you guys uh, share my opinion on this, but I love those Dr. Rick progressive commercials. I think it's hilarious, <laughs> especially for somebody like me who is in a house for the first time and is becoming my father every day. It is quite scary to watch those. I got up in the middle of the, this, this I think puts, puts this into perspective. I got up in the middle of uh, the third quarter and changed a light bulb outside on my front porch. That's how boring <laughs> this game was at different times. But yeah, my I'm with you, Andy. I think the big story out of this game, you know, the Rams will move on next week. I think Cam Akers was great. Jared Goff, we knew this would be problematic, but man, the Seahawks. I, I want to broach this with you guys because I think you're smarter and le- more level-headed than, than I am. But I was texting with a friend back and forth in the, in this game, at the especially at the end of it. And we were saying that if this was, you know, Dak Prescott or if this was Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, he Russell Wilson would be getting killed after this game. I thought he was terrible. I, and I honestly think he's been he's been pretty bad and kind of holding this offense. Like we could talk about Brian Schottenheimer holding it back. We could talk about the offensive line holding it back. You know, the lack of guys beyond DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But you know, we were coming into this year, even before the the September surge of this offense, talking about is Russell Wilson, you know, the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let me tell you what, it does not look like that at this point. He was the worst from an EPA per play perspective. He was the second worst quarterback to take a snap this week. The worst was Taysom Hill. So that's where we're at with Russell Wilson after this game. <laughs> Leaving plays on the field, I think at this point in his career, he's just not a good passer over the middle of the field, maybe because he's smaller than half the offensive line. I don't know, but I think we need to just have a a conversation about 
where Russell Wilson is at this point. And if we can ever expect the Seahawks offense to continue to, to play consistently like they did in September. Scott, you're the you're the you're the biggest Wilson defender I have ever known. So, yeah, why don't you go ahead and pick that up? I, I, I can't defend him. I agree with pretty much everything Matt said. Wilson goes into an age 33 season. He's got a sack problem. He led the league in sacks taken two years ago. He uh, he took just one fewer sack this year, and then he took five in this game. I do think part of Wilson's poor Saturday was just the Rams' defense is a monster. It's it's the best defense in football. Um, they did absorb some injuries in that game. You hate to see Donald go off the field, but I expected really frustrating. My probably my favorite bet of the week was this game to go under. And I watch it, and I feel like the offenses were terrible, and the game went over the total part of it. Wilson threw a really bad pick six, and that's the type of thing that kills um, you know, under bets. But there was more scoring this game than I expected. But you, know, you had from from Goff trying to throw with a bad thumb to, to Wilson trying to operate an offense that nobody believes in. I feel like the, the Seahawks finally have to have they – have, they have to accept – we all know Metcalf is terrific. He's an alpha. He's the number one. He, at some point, could be the top receiver in football, and right now he's probably one of the top five or six guys. Nobody disputes that. I think everybody knows that Tyler Lockett's a really good football player. This team needs something else, whether it's it's a, some, a handy third receiver, slot guy, another outside threat, a tight end. They really haven't solved tight end. They've had you know the last days of Greg Olson in this offense. They had Jimmy Graham for a short time, who had a lot of touchdown deodorant, but wasn't really a factor between the 20s. They need something else in this offense other than these two receivers. And again, you know, Wilson into an age 33 season, I think maybe they'll make a coordinator change. The problem with this team in the second half is that they were winning games even when they were playing a negative EV style. And Pete Carroll's just never going to change something like that. If they're if they're winning 20 to 15 against the football team, excuse me, you know, he's happy with that. Take the win. Let's let's go to work on Monday. And I think this team really needs to look itself in the mirror and ask itself. Where are we leaking? Where are we missing out? Because we this was not a team I think had any upside to go deep in the playoffs. Even if they would have survived this game, I would have expected them to lose in the next round. They have to take a long look in the mirror, and I think they need to add pieces on offense. I don't think what they have right now is good enough. Scott, you mentioned their negative EV style. Like It's not even just the, the fact that they lean too much on the running game at times. They get very conservative. The way their passing offense design is so vertically inclined. You know they, they need to hit those big, deep shots to DK Metcalf. They need to get Tyler Lockett open on one of those crossing routes deep down the field from the slot. But the way the Rams have so many layups for Jared Goff. The way the Titans offense has wide open crossers on play action for Tannehill to just pad his numbers. The Seahawks have none of that, but I also I am starting to wonder. Again, you said it, age 33 season. Russell Wilson has been in our lives for a long time. I wonder if that is Brian Schottenheimer or if it's also like, you know, 50% Brian Schottenheimer and 50% this is what Russ does and this is the player he is. He's never like I said been that guy to the way Josh Allen has become this guy to slowly matriculate an offense down the field over the middle. Russ has never been that guy. It's been mostly sporadic big plays and a little bit of and some of that's designed, some of it's improvisation, but I just at this point wonder even if they did and I agree, they, they like a tight end, some some quick hitting slot receivers would be great. But I also just wonder if this is just the way Russ needs to play because that's who he is. Yeah, one other thing I think would really help, and, and we saw this actually trend down league-wide. Uh, shout out to J.J. Zacharyson who had a great tweet about this. But they had a pass-catching receiver. 
you know, you think about yeah. You make such a great point. There's no easy plays. And what do good offenses do? How many times do you watch an Andy Reid offense and they make they make like a 20-yard chunk play and, and you just go, wow, that was too easy. That, that play was the guy was wide open. It was defined. It's pitch and catch. And the best offenses in the league are able to do that. And Seattle has no easy. Everything they do is is difficult. And, again, just one more time. I'm just going to cry for my under ticket. There are 27 first downs in this game. <laughs> Seattle had 11. The Rams had 16. This should have been a 13-10 to 10 football game. How the heck was it 30-20? to 20? So weird. It absolutely should have been a 13-10 football game. Um, again, neither neither team reaches 200 passing yards. Wilson, in fact, has been under 200 passing yards in three of his last four games. Um, Scott, to a, just an earlier point that you made, nothing out of the out of the tight end position. Hollister has really had some brutal drops um, and a terrible catch percentage over the last I don't know uh, five six weeks. It, it's just been it's just been really ugly. So they don't get anything easy out of him. They don't get anything easy. Period. Um, you guys are making really good points about it and i've i don't think i've ever seen a post game in which um more layers of an organization called out a coach right like everyone literally from tyler lockett to pete carroll went all the way up to the line in calling out schottenheimer so i'm not i'm not sure how he could possibly come back like it like it sure feels like like that uh like that era is is over let's uh let, let's jump to the next game which is which is Tampa and the Washington football team, a, a game that was uh, perhaps a bit more competitive than than I would have expected. Uh, Tampa Bay's offense was was everything we we thought it would be. Brady passed for 381 yards. Uh, Mike Evans coming off an injury looked good, certainly good enough. Uh, Antonio Brown was heavily involved again. He was very good. Um, and, and they're putting up points, 31 points for that team. The Washington football team was fine. Taylor Heineke was was fine. Um, but we we really need to get that club a quarterback because they have they have the defense now. They have the skill players like it, it's looking good. Um, but they are another team that has almost everything in place except for the damn quarterback. Right. Yeah. Really good season for Washington overall. They they made the right hire, I think, in Ron Rivera. They've got. We know they've thrown all this capital towards their defensive line, and they've hit on all those guys. You know, uh, they they have probably the best defensive line in football collectively. Those four people, but and skilled people on offense, we like. It wasn't a great Antonio Gibson game, but he had a very good rookie season. I thought the way they used him all year, and they didn't put too much on his plate, but they they did feature him pretty much right away. I thought that was smart. We all love Terry McLaurin. He's probably been playing hurt all season. Uh, Logan Thomas is kind of a late career break, breakout, but he's still young enough that he could be a factor. They have you know a couple of guys named Sims who occasionally make splash plays. <laughs> I like this offense. <laughs> we just got to figure out who the quarterback is now. You know, I don't know what to make of this Heineke game. You know, he, late twenties, he, he had almost no NFL experience before this game. I thought he looked terrific. It's hard to take games like that at face value and maybe somebody's going to throw a contract who knows maybe your bears will come after taylor heineke andy you never know stop it stop it but um this was a fun offensive game yeah i don't want to talk too much about the bucks because we'll, we'll preview that game later but over 500 yards of offense i did not expect antonio brown to be much of a factor when he signed with tampa bay i kind of wonder why they were doing it uh he's been making splash plays every week i, I know godwin had a bunch of drops but he, you know, he also had a productive game if not an efficient game this is a fun Tampa Bay offense, and I think they have a, a puncher's chance. I like the way the playoffs are set up where all the young gun quarterbacks from the AFC, where it's probably going to yeah. be Mahomes or or Allen or, or Lamar Jackson, and then the NFC quarterback will probably be one of these Hall of Fame walk-in guys, you know, maybe his last trip to the Super Bowl, uh, Rodgers, Brady, 
or um, Drew Brees. So I think that's going to be really fun in a few weeks. But this this was an entertaining game in part because I didn't think Taylor. I thought Taylor Heineke would be thrown to the wolves, and he played really well. Doesn't mean that we're ever going to see that again. It's hard to know how to take that. But Washington took a step forward. They got rid of their stupid nickname. They got a, a really smart team president in there. They got Ron Rivera in there. They have a lot of skill players I like, and they have what could be a top five defense. I think it's probably a top five defense this year. Sometimes defense year year over year isn't all that repeatable, but the where they have the talent and how young it is, I think this is going to be probably the favorite to win this division next year. They're the they were definitely all year the most, you know, quote, real team in the NFC East because of that defense. And I, I'm so with you, Scott. This is a really intriguing young offense. Gibson's good. McLaurin is a budding star. The pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas uh, is an ascending <laughs> player. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I'm I'm like the first person on football Twitter to ever have scouted Taylor Heineke. I was at his first game at Old Dominion University where my sister graduated when his first game as a freshman when he's got in there. So I, I've been – Taylor Heineke has been in my life for a long, long time. <laughs> Former Panthers guy. He's got a lot of history with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and that whole deal. I was with Norv Turner in Minnesota when he was the offensive coordinator there. Um, Heineke, I think he's a good – like backup quarterback, his problem is, and we saw it in this game, always gets hurt. He's too small to be like a, a traditional NFL quarterback. And let me tell you, again, I spent time near the guy. He's small. He's Whatever he's listed at, take the under on that one. So I think he could be Washington's backup quarterback next year. That's perfectly um, expected. But I, I would love to see them. What about them as a team that could go get Matthew Stafford? Because their top five right now in cap space, um, even if you project the cap to be pretty low at, at 176, they're a team that could go after Stafford because I think they need a veteran type of guy around this younger offense and then just take all that cap space and maybe load up on one free agent receiver alongside. And it's a good receiver class in free agency this year. Probably going to be a good draft class of receivers as well. Maybe they throw some picks at Detroit for, for Stafford, something like that, and then we really get this offense flying. I love that Stafford call. And wouldn't it be nice, you think of what Stafford's been saddled with with some of these defense. I mean, the Lions just allowed the second most points all time. That's how oh horrible God. their defense was. Yeah. They have a rebuild. Sounds like um, Robert Soleil will probably get that job, and I think he's the right man for the job. But, you know, Stafford deserves to go somewhere where he can be competitive and, and can maybe win right away. And I, I would just love to see that guy have, you know, maybe like that Carson Palmer year that he had in Arizona. You know, the guy who's been in a bad yes. situation most of the time. Occasionally he'd elevate a losing situation, uh, probably has some unfair, you know, Labels have been thrown on Stafford. I'd like to see him have that, you know, back to the Pro Bowl. Oh, what, isn't it great to see Matthew Stafford in the playoffs again? I, I think that's an awesome call, and I think it would make sense for both Detroit and Washington to, to have that phone call. I'm, I'm pretty ready to see Matthew Stafford uh, tied to a player like Terry McLaurin and oh, McLaurin too. tied to a player with absolutely unlimited arm strength. <laughs> that would be that would be absolutely sensational. Um, I'm I'm here for it. Terry I McLaurin's like it. a god. I, I, Terry McC- if Terry McLaurin has a quarterback, I'm going to elbow people out of the way to draft yeah. that guy. I, w- I will rig draft orders. I will give myself extra money in a salary cap league. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of Terry McLaurin. If he has a quarterback, I feel good about it. Let's hope so because he's on he's on the Allen Robinson plan. This guy is in his second season. He's, he sure caught passes. Yeah. he's caught passes from Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas, and Old Dominion University's finest, Taylor Heineke. Give me a break. That is a lot in, in the seven guys in just two in two years. 
I'll admit when Heineke got hurt, not that I want to see anybody get hurt, get hurt. But I wondered, will Logan Thomas take any quarterback snaps? I thought that might have oh, been yeah. play. Right. Yeah, I, I will just say before that was the Allen Robinson plan. It was also the Brandon Marshall plan. Like there's oh, yeah. just a handful of guys who are who are all time talents who have just never been tied to what's a the what's the what's the through line there, Andy? Besides jersey number of fifteen uh, when they first got oh started. no. Chicago Bears, both, sure. Chicago Bears. Maybe. Oh no, we're still piling on the Bears. Um, and we haven't even gotten to yet. We haven't even discussed this Bears game yet, and we've already we've already yeah, marshaled by the way like four, four different times. Four teams, a thousand yards. I believe Brandon Cooks joined him in that four. You know, yep. nobody wants this guy, but he keeps yeah. putting up numbers. Um, great, you know, shout out to Brandon Cooks, who uh, you know he might be gone. He might be on his work. fifth team next year. <laughs> everybody, everybody, well, everybody will own Brandon Cooks for fifteen minutes. I think I think Andy Warhol said that once. Let's let's hit a game that was actually um, really fun. I, I thought a, a pretty entertaining watch, and that was that was Baltimore and Tennessee. We had a twenty to thirteen game. Uh, Lamar Jackson um, kind of shed that whole can't win in the playoffs thing. That was good to see. He passed for one hundred seventy nine yards. He ran for one thirty six. He was he was an absolute difference maker on the ground. Um, terrific effort from him. Tennessee did, didn't give us a lot. Dar- uh, Baltimore did a wonderful job against Derrick Henry. Um, good, good to see Baltimore advance, if only because we get to see Baltimore and Buffalo next week, which I can't wait to discuss. Um, thoughts on this game, Matt Harmon? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's bummed to watch these two teams go up against each other because I really want – I like both of them. I like Tennessee. I like Baltimore. I like their infrastructure. I like a lot of their players. And I'm going to feel the same way when Baltimore faces Buffalo next week, uh, like a lot of – obviously a lot of Buffalo's players as well. So this was good to see. It, this was sort of the Ravens' offense that I kind of expected all year, especially when it comes to Marquise Brown, nine targets over 100 yeah. yards. And they were doing stuff for him – that I've been begging them to do all year. They got better about it in the second half of the year. But, you know, Brown, and let me let me be clear, I like Marquise Brown, but he made a lot of mistakes this year, a lot of drops, um, wasn't always great, you know, after the catch and stuff like that. His bad season this year is not a product of everything around him, and he was doing things right. He made his mistakes in his second season, but I think he's shown – in the second half of this year and then in this playoff game they were giving him layups you know they weren't just asking him to run deep corners and deep posts and Lamar's just sailing that thing like five yards over his head getting and then getting Lamar those layups too is important to the offense as well besides just stuff over the middle you know screens those slips out of the backfield for for Brown I think are huge Brown's a player that uh, let me tell you, every time I tweet about him, everyone's like, not n- do not draft. He's on my do not draft list. He burned me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he, I, he's a guy I'll be willing to keep a, a candle lit for next year. Yeah, I like, you know, just to piggyback your Brown comment. When I was talking a little bit about Brown this week, and I know you wrote about him in our collaborative piece, a lot of people were saying, well, he's, you know, he's a boomer boss. He has to score a touchdown. You know, he's only going to get a handful of targets every game. This is the type of game that you want to see where he can have a strong fantasy score without a touchdown, right? He got nine yeah. targets. He had the seven catches. As you said, they schemed him open creatively. And actually, one of his non-catches was, was a wide-open pass late in the game that Lamar just missed him. And that was another 20 yards that was left on the field. And they, they took another shot play they didn't hit. If he can get that target share or he can get that weekly opportunity share up, to the point that you know he's getting 100 to 115 targets. I mean, that that's going to make him a locked and wide receiver too, in my mind. I also think it's incumbent on this team to figure out how to throw to their backs. They just haven't used 
And part of it could be Greg Roman. Part of it could be Lamar Jackson. Obviously, it was Dobbins' first season, and they took him very slowly. He's finally gotten incorporated in this offense. He scored touchdowns in seven straight weeks. But he was a pretty good pass catcher at Ohio State. I don't think they fully tapped into that yet. And obviously, they're not going to probably do much differently for the rest of the playoffs. But I'd like to see in the offseason, maybe they could address that. As far as the Titans, it's just one game, so I don't want to overreact. But it was just surprising to me to see Corey Davis just eliminated from this game. I think he might have gotten dinged up yeah. late, but just two yeah. targets, no catches um, you know, at a time where they desperately needed to get something going. Obviously, the, the Ravens did an outstanding job on Derrick Henry. And this was one of the best tackling efforts I've seen. I don't remember the Ravens missing any tackles. When they wrapped, the first guy to wrap somebody was bringing that guy down. And you don't say that a lot against the Titans, you know, yep, with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. They're, they're broken tackle you know, machines. But I thought Baltimore was very sound with very their edges were they're very disciplined with their edges. I thought they played with, with a, a lot of intelligence and I thought they made the first tackle when they needed to consistently. I don't, I don't really know what to do with Davis. I know his efficiency stats were similar to Brown's most of the year, but I feel like Brown always has the harder coverage to beat. I believe Davis is going into a free agent season. I'd be curious to see yep. what the market looks like for him. Uh, can I just throw out there that A.J. Brown was was fantastic in this game? And it yeah, is, uh, like, man, this, this this two games in a row now with double-digit targets mm-hmm. for A.J. Brown, and, he, and mysteriously didn't see double-digit targets in any game. All season until we hit. He had uh, one. He had one in his career, January. Andy, until week seventeen, and now he has two and three. And, and surprise, surprise, he was really good in both those games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's Shock. let's move forward with this plan. Let's let's get this guy. I don't know, ten to fourteen targets a game because he's kind of on this uh, uh, Doug Baldwin path now, right? Where you're like he's barely finishing seasons with a hundred targets, and he is quite clearly a top ten NFL wide receiver. I want to mention also, I tweeted. Um, because, you know, I, I just can't get over the Nikhil Harry thing, and I, maybe i got to let it go. After A.J. Brown made a particularly great play. <laughs> I actually, I hope you never let it go. Never let it go. Decade, never let is, it go. This is All right. Never, never let it go. So I, t- I tweet after A.J. Brown made one of his several great catches. I tweeted, I think A.J. Brown's better than Nikhil Harry. And, and a lot of people thought I was being serious. Like, you know, like I wasn't really sure yeah. which way to go with Brown or Harry, and I'd finally, I'd finally endorsed the Tennessee guy. You've seen enough. <laughs> It's amazing. Just the responses on that were gold. Some people understood what I was getting at. A lot of people didn't, which I, I guess is Twitter for you. But I, I'm with you, man. I, and, you know, A.J. Brown, I would I would give him seven to eight targets coming out of the tunnel every week. And if the situation allows for it, I'd go into double digits. I And I hope Arthur Smith, if he's here next year, because he's going to get interviewed. I mean, they, they may get been interviewed they may everywhere. Lose their, lose their coordinator. A lot of coordinators may be um, – Moving on, we know Eric Bieniemy is going to be a hot commodity. Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills is going to get interviewed all over the place. Um, so I don't know if Smith will be here next year. But, yeah, I would like to see A.J. Brown get that target share that he deserves. Okay, um, we're obligated to talk about this Bears game. Uh, not that we haven't already discussed it enough. Maybe we can just focus on the Nickelodeon broadcast, which was awesome. Awesome! Uh, the, the game. <laughs> Which is just fantastic. Um, like, seriously, maybe that should actually be our focus. Because this game was as according to script as anything that has ever happened in the NFL. I didn't really see it. Don't think the NFL Don't think the NFL didn't look at the schedule and say, okay, which, which game needs some slime? Which game needs a different, <laughs> you know, a different set of announcers? Um, but by the way, how, how could the announcing crew in the Tennessee game not mention the Titans not punting in the fourth quarter? I, I, that didn't, wasn't even oh my a talking God. point yeah. from the That's Monday tough. night crew. I know ESPN had a satellite crew doing the game, and they were all over it. They were all like shaking their hands, like what's what, shaking their heads, like what's going on here? But um, yeah, the, the the Bears, you know, their offense was pretty much slime. They got thrown on the network with slime. I love it. Let's 
let's get as many different channels, as many different voices. I mean, I would listen to Bill Walton do a football game. I would listen to Bill Raftery do a football game. I think this Nickelodeon angle is a great way to introduce the NFL to younger fans. Um, so I, I'm all for it. You know, and again, I talked about what ESPN's doing where they have a, an analytics broadcast where they have, you know, some really smart people who are talking about things like EPA and and winning percentages and, and, you know, some of the analytical stuff that isn't always on the general broadcast for some reason. So I'm all for it. We have a million channels now. We have a million platforms. We can watch games on our phone, on our TV, on our watch, or if you want, on your television. So let's take advantage of it. I thought the Nickelodeon play was a great move. Yeah, it was cool. Let me tell you what, my 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 fiance is not the biggest football fan in the world. We were starting to watch that game, and she goes, <laughs> "This is the most I've ever, like I've ever understood football." Because, and I was like, "Yeah, for me, it's like it's tough to, to be like spoon fed the game when like I know what I'm talking about, but it's also really interesting." I don't know if you're trying to get the younger audience involved. Maybe maybe not showing a Mitch Trubisky next time. That that might be uh, the best. Maybe maybe the, maybe not uh, go with that. But it was it was great. Nate Burleson absolutely knocked that thing out of the park. He was awesome. Incredible. Um, Very good. Noah Eagle, right? Iron Eagle's son was was on the call sure. too. He was great. Gabby from Nickelodeon was awesome. Only felt bad for uh for Lex at the end of the game when Sean Payton had already gone into the locker room and he was waiting with that bucket of slime. Um at one point I thought they threw to Lex and uh he had nothing to say, but Man, he ad-libbed that sideline report great. And I was like, buddy, we have all been there. There's plenty of times I've been tossed <laughs> to on a show, and I've got nothing to say about a player, but you just you just filibuster. You just filibuster a little bit. So it was great. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was nice to see something different, nice, nice to not take – football so seriously when we've got you know joe buck in that seahawks game talking for i don't know 20 damn minutes about dk metcalf being upset on the sideline and like scolding the guy <laughs> like we're talking about a preschooler jesus christ give me a break like no one needs that so it was nice to juxtapose that type of crap with uh the nickelodeon broadcast and the highlight though of course was uh cordero patterson dropping a wtf uh f-bomb amazing <laughs> on the hot mic on nickelodeon that was the highlight for me and come on patterson you can't do that on television <laughs> um, Great ref. Uh, another highlight i would say was uh mitch trubisky winning the the nick vp the nvp um and shout out to pro football reference which already put that on his player page yeah among his his many career awards um i think that was i think tremendous. that was barstool that did that i think which uh you know shout out to them i guess i think they mobilized and, and look, their, their let's be fair here that the bears fans got what they wanted the, the smart fans like andy I'm being totally serious here. The last thing you guys wanted was Trubisky to throw for like 450 yeah. and open up the question of, of if he's the future guy here. I mean, this is the type of game you needed. You made the playoffs. That's nice. But let's not have Trubisky do something that somehow clouds the picture of what the team needs to do next. And, of course, he didn't. Yeah, Mitch was sitting at 107 passing yards until that last um, utterly garbage time drive that ended with the Jimmy Graham walk-off touchdown, which was also hilarious. And no conversion um, attempt, which was, as Scott Van Pelt might say, significant to some. Right, right. Um, Mitch uh, did not really impact this game in any sort of positive way. Had a couple of horrible misfires, which, like, if you're not watching him week in and week out, he always has horrible misfires. They may or may not get picked off, but he always just has these should-be layup completions that that don't get completed. Um, it is, I, I think, Scott, you're right. It's it's almost in some ways a, a best-case scenario for Bears fans because, the, like, we, we can be upset about Nagy and Trubisky and a whole bunch of things associated 
associated with this team. But the one thing that can't happen is for both Nagy and Trubisky to return Mm -hmm. because this head coach coaches around his quarterback. Like you saw it at the end of the first half when they've got, when they've got like a minute and a half of, of clock to play with and and they can, they can, you can go ahead and try to score. Like you can go ahead and try to score there. You you don't have like terrible field position, anything like that. And they, and they just ran the ball. Um, And, and this has been going on for years because Nagy rightly doesn't trust his quarterback. Who's terrible. Um, you just can't bring this pair back. They can't coexist anymore. I've I've seen enough. I just want to say one other thing Co- about this of, game. Uh, I, go ahead. A couple of things. This, as we're talking about this, I'm also seeing on Twitter, uh, Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson. This comes in from Jeff Dickerson. He says, um, every, quote, everything is on the table in terms of his future, but added in regards to the Bears. I personally feel like we had an opportunity to be able to get something done over the past 365 days. He could easily be out of town. Also, since we talked about yeah. this earlier – um, according to James Palmer of the NFL Network, Pete Carroll says Brian Schottenheimer will be back next year. So <laughs> you can. Oh yeah, my God! Oh God. I, I just I'll, before we close the book on the Saints for, for this game, I just want to throw a shout out to to Breeze and Latavius Murray, who had I, I thought the coolest play of the weekend, mm. yeah. where Murray Stones, the the on the on rushing um, pass rusher, is knocked to the turf and then gets up. And he and Breeze do a total ad lib pass uh, that turns into a touchdown, which is the second time they've done this in like three or four weeks because Murray did it a few weeks ago. Latavius Murray will never be the star of the Saints. He'll never be on the cover of the media guide. He's not their best running back. But man, what a what a great football play! I, I just love seeing cohesion. Um, and by the way, you love cohesion, Andy. I get, I, anytime you want to do an Iowa basketball podcast, I'm so ready for that. I had them on the second <laughs> screen on Sunday. Uh, what what a clinic those guys are. But I just love watching people who have played together for a long time who can make plays out of structure like that. And uh, so that, that was just, a to me, a really cool football play. Scott, I, I appreciate you throwing me a bouquet with the Iowa basketball team there because I've had to talk about the Bears long enough and I shall not do it uh, any longer. Let's get to the final game from Wild Card Weekend, which was... Uh, fun in a in an almost cartoonish way. Um, Cleveland uh, forty eight to thirty seven over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland uh, with twenty eight first quarter points. Um, this game wasn't particularly close. If it felt close at any point, that was only because it was the Browns, and you were thinking, "Huh, maybe." Uh, but no, it never happened. Um, the Browns were great. They they led this thing from start to fit, from literally the first uh, offensive snap um, with or without their head coach. They were they were absolutely terrific. Never trailed. Um, first postseason win for that team since 1995. So congrats to, to Cleveland fans. Uh, like weird game for Ben, right? Four interceptions, 500 passing yards, but on 68 attempts. And uh, the whole damn game was was basically garbage time for the for the Steelers. Ben turns 39 in March um, and. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.